Let's hear now from God's Word. It's taken today from Luke chapter 22 and verses 14 to 20. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to sit to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from this fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Thanks, John. I switched the reading out on John, and uh, he didn't know until he walked in this morning. So, uh, thanks for doing that. Hey, as we um, as we come around communion this morning, I think um, I've got to go this way. Sorry, Tom. I think uh, Jesus uses this time, has given this, and we've just John, John's just read to us about how how this how communion was instituted into the rhythm of church life, that it would become something that we that we do regularly, that we would do to remember uh, all that he has done for us. And I think too, Christ uses this time for us to reflect on the questions of who we are as individuals, who we are as Jesus' church here at Freeway. Jesus gives us this simple sacrament, this simple meal that we might keep at the centre of our lives personally, at the centre of our lives uh, corporately uh, in our community the new reality of being approved by God, regardless of whether we this week we shot the lights out and we're super Christians or whether we couldn't even make our own bed this week, that reality we keep getting pushed into. Um, and we all get to come back to it and we all get to rest in what Jesus has done for us. We all get to fall back on the goodness, uh, on the good news that God has accomplished our salvation permanently, irrevocably, a relationship with him through Jesus. The deepest needs of our lives are to be at peace with God, which is something we need when there's no peace anywhere else uh, at times, have been met through what Jesus has done. And I think, you know, our culture would have us believe uh, this, the deep and profound lie that it's actually our performance that defines who we are, that our performance in, ver- in our various lanes of our lives, uh, whether that's at home, in our marriages, in our work, in our, in, in our faith, have the final word on our place in this family, have the final word on our standing before God. At times we can pay a little bit of lip service to the fact that, that this, and normally we would have a table here, and I've just written table automatically, that this table so clearly, so profoundly communicates uh, the great and the glorious news that when Jesus died on the cross, he was exchanging realities, if you like, uh, before God. He was offering up his perfect life, the life that he lived, that fulfilled the law perfectly. So, you know, the law asks us, do this and you're, you're, you're sweet, but no one can, but Jesus has. So 
He's fulfilled the law. The demand of the law has been fulfilled by Jesus. The other demand of the law is if you don't, then you've got to die. But then even though he fulfilled that law, Jesus went and fulfilled the other side of the law. Why? For, for us, for people who hadn't fulfilled the law, for people who had not uh, done it well. And by doing that, he's then exchanged, if you like, he's, he, he's fulfilled the, the requirements of the law for us, for our sin, so that we could be fully pardoned, declared innocent, that we could be uh, re- declared accepted without reservation, without any whatever, as, 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 as delighted in by God, delighted in children of God, like God delights in us. In the cross, we have been given the means of legitimately removing the burden of our guilt and our shame, of our fear and our anxiety, of our anger, our abuse, our lust, our rebellion, all these things that, that, that separate us from God and cause disruption in other relationships. When we really get hold of this, when it drops into our hearts to shape our lives, we get to a place of freedom. We get to a place where we actually live in the forgiveness that is at the cross. And then we begin to live the design of life that God has for us. When our, when our identity is rooted down in this truth, it frees us from the fear of judgment and condemnation. And then it enables us to mature in our faith. And, and then it enables us to go and minister to others to walk with each other and to share God's grace with each other. And we've been talking a little bit about that this morning. We've seen it happening. The gospel, the news that is announced uh, from, you know, from, our little, from this meal that we have that's been packaged up for us is that the king of the universe has moved towards you as an ally, has, has moved towards you as a rescuer, as a friend. But I think sometimes more functional truth for many of us, is that we are actually either really just kind of worn out or maybe we're a little overconfident not living in the truth of the gospel. It lies there for us. Um, but rather we kind of we operate in our own performance rather than what God has done for us. And we miss the peace and the confidence that Paul speaks about when he says, you know, I am what I am by the grace of God. That, uh, it's, it's, uh, I am who I am because of the grace of God in my life. All this other, and if you read Paul's life, there's a lot going on. But we can essentially say at times, actually, no, I'm defined by my job. I'm defined by my children, my ministry, my poverty, my wealth, my mental health, my pain, my joy. And we can begin again, like I said, to focus on what is peripheral, not what is central. Rather than focusing on the kingdom of God as it comes into our lives through the gospel and continues to bring the rule and the reign of God into our lives and into this community. This little meal, this simple little meal that we've had professionally packaged up now, refocuses us, brings us back to what is actually real in our lives. So as you kind of rip off that little thing and you take the little bit of bread that's on the top, uh, spend, spend this time, uh, brief time, Honestly reflecting on how this bread uh, helps us to refocus on what Christ has done for us, his suffering in our place, that we might come back into relationship with God. And, and then in a, in a minute or two, uh, we'll take the cups, just rip off that next little bit, and then we're going to drink together that symbolizes uh, our common unity in Christ, that, that we share this grace. So just going to leave that with you for now. Um,
I mean, God, as we hear the tearing of communion cups, we are reminded of the tearing of your son. We are reminded of all that he went through. We, we eat the bread and we think about the body broken uh, for us, for the, the shame and that all that he went through in order to bring us back, that he was broken, that he was outcast, that he went through all of this, that we might not experience that realities eternally. Now, as we drink this uh, juice together, would we be reminded again of the covenant of grace, the love of God in Christ that brings us all together and secures us uh, with the promise of your return and the healing of all things, uh, all things being uh, made new, sin gone, relationships whole uh, with each other and with God himself. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.